Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're talking about the great adventure. What is what is God called us to? And God has a plan. And we talked about that last week. It's not about your plan, your wonderful plan for your life. It's about God's plan for your life. And, and that's what we're discovering during this series. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back the Lord, brought brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. How many know that that, that God doesn't equip you for everything good to do what you want to do? to fulfill your hopes and dreams, but to fulfill his. This is why he equips you with everything good as he's, as he's leading you, as he's shepherding you. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. It's about what's pleasing to him. See, every decision that I make in my life, I, I must consider first, Lord, what pleases you? What would make you happy? And we got this agenda in the world that says, do what makes you happy. I would encourage you, don't live by that. Live by what makes heaven happy. Ephesians 2.10, we covered this last week. For we are God's workmanship. We are God's poetic masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. How many know that you're not saved by works? but you're saved for works and God has a plan and he saved you. He rescued you for that. So if you're going to go on an adventure, which we're going on an adventure, one of the things that you're going to need is you're going to need one of these. You're going to need a map. You're going to need to know where you're going and how to get there. How many of y'all remember back in the days, if you grew up in the Metroplex, they used to sell these books of maps that they would update every year right? Mapsco. Yeah, I didn't grow up in the Metroplex, but I remember not being able to afford one of those when I moved here. But I went out and bought me a DFW map. This isn't a DFW map. This is a Rocky Mountain Park map because that felt more fitting. And uh, there's only one person that I know can, can refold an unfolded map, and that's Leslie Brown. But I remember as a kid, we would go on a trip. Before we had cell phones, we would, we would shoot the birds with our finger out the window when we we're on the road for five hours. Anybody else do that? Count the highline wires, look at the license plates. Anybody else do that? But one of the things that I used to do when I was a kid is I would look at the streets or, or the cities that we were going through and I would put my finger on there. And as we would drive down the road, I would slowly move my, my finger over the map. And sometimes I was most of the time, I was ahead of myself as I would do that. Now we could just follow on a GPS. And uh, so for all of you guys, that the struggle was real <laughs> going down the highway. But if you were going to go somewhere, you, you had to know how to get there, right? I remember when I was a student at Christ for the Nations, I moved out here from Odessa, Texas. You can find anything in Odessa. You just got to look for it because it's so flat. But when we moved to the Metroplex, I remember as a student at Christ for the Nations, if I was going to go somewhere that I hadn't been, I would go to the end of the hallway and they had, they had a phone at the end of the hallway that everybody in the hallway, could, you couldn't have a phone in your room. They had one at the end of the hallway and you had to put quarters in it. 
You had to put quarters in this machine and you used a phone, get this, to make a phone call where you would talk to somebody. And so I remember getting this book called The Yellow Pages, which, which told you, and I would remember looking for those numbers, going down to the end of the, the, the hallway. You always had a stack of quarters. I remember putting coins in that machine and calling businesses and asking them, hey, how do I get there? And they'd say, well, you go up 35, and then you're going to exit Oak Lawn. You're going to take a ride. You're going to go up three miles, and it's going to be on your left. Do you, who remembers those days? But if, you were, but if you had the map, you didn't necessarily need to make the phone call. You could just get there on your own. So get this. God, when he created a plan for you, he gave you a map. He didn't just tell you, hey, I've got a plan. He actually gave you a map on how to get there. Yeah. God not only created you for a journey. <clears throat> Ooh, going through puberty. God not only created you for a journey, he provided you with a map for it. Aren't you grateful that you have a map? Say, man, I, I don't know. God's will is so abstract. He gave you this map called that we call the Word of God. He gave you a Bible to know his plan. And it is the most important thing. If you want to fulfill God's will, then, then, then spend more time in this then you do asking other people, then you do listening to other preachers. If you want to fulfill God's word, God's will, then learn God's word. And we have a lot of people that say, man, God, I just want to know your will. Just speak to me. Just speak to me. And they have Bibles that are collecting dust. They have apps that haven't been opened in weeks on their phone. So God not only created you for a journey, he provided you with a map for it. Second Timothy chapter three. Now, Timothy had a plan for his, his life and God had a plan for his life. And his plan was that he would be a spiritual son of the apostle Paul. This is actually the, one of the last books written in the New Testament to churches, second Timothy chapter three. And this is what Paul, this is the last book he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says this in second Timothy three fourteen. you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. What kind of things was he being taught? Right here. You know that they are true. For you know that you can trust those who taught you. What are they teaching them? You have been taught the Holy Scriptures. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures. Now, you say, what what Scriptures? Well, they were talking about the Old Testament, but they were also talking about these letters that were being passed around to the churches at the time. Many of the things that we have canonized now as the New Testament, these were things that were already being embraced as Scripture by this time. Isn't that interesting? We, we spent a whole, uh, and the link's in your notes there, we spent a whole week on the reliability of Scripture. So if you're skeptical about can we trust the Bible, go back and listen to that. And, uh, or watch that however you want to consume it. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from Christ Jesus. How many of you know that if it wasn't for a Bible, you wouldn't be saved? Because you wouldn't know anything about Jesus. You wouldn't know anything about the redemptive work. Yeah, right. Then he says this, all Scripture, how much? All of it, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Listen, if you want to know what is true, don't go to the news channel. Because if you go to the other news channel on the other side, you're going to see that there's conflicting narratives. There's one narrative that doesn't change. The word of God. 
All scripture inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is, get this, what is wrong in our lives. Most people only go to the Bible to get affirmed. We need to go to the scripture to get corrected. Because listen, one of the greatest forms that God uses of affirmation is correction. Whom he loves, he corrects, he disciplines. Makes us realize what is wrong in my life. So I'm not looking at the word just to go, Lord, I'm feeling so discouraged today. Give me your word. And you open, Judas went and hung himself, right? You do the point thing. That's not very encouraging. But there is, there is encouraging things in the word. But don't just go to the word to get encouraged. Don't just go to the word to feel better. Listen, go to the word to get convicted. That's what it says. To show us what's wrong in our lives. Don't you want to be better? Let the word refine you. All scripture is inspired. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So if you want to do works that matter, you want to do works that please God, then you need to learn your Bible. Don't just read it. Don't just listen to a message every week. Learn your Bible. Amen. Okay, four realities. Here you go. Are you ready? Four realities about God's word. And let me encourage you, read your Bible every day. If all you got is five minutes, then just spend that five minutes there. If you've got two hours for Netflix, you've got five minutes for the scriptures, Right? I just want to know what God's will is. (laughs) Spend a little less time on social media and spend some time in the word. Four realities about God's word. So check this out. Psalm 119, the largest chapter in the Bible. You know what it's about? The Bible. (laughs) It's about God's word. Psalm 119. David says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So the word illuminates our path. It's kind of like we have the map. And so David says this in another place, and we'll reference this in a moment, that in your light, I see light. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. If you don't know what God says, you won't know what God wants. God, what do you want? Do you know what he says? What does God want? How do you know what God wants? Because of the scriptures. The scriptures tell us what God wants. The scriptures are the roadmap to morality, to good works, to what matters. First reality is this. God's word establishes his standards. See, with the word, you don't stand in perplexity and ask, is it right for me? Is it wrong? You don't engage in a moral tug of war because God has removed the necessity for conflict on a particular issue. He has given you undebatable guidance. How do you know what's right and wrong? The word of God. God decides what's right and wrong. At the end of your life, you won't stand in front of the mob media. You won't stand in front of all your Facebook friends. You won't won't stand in front of the culture. You'll stand before God and give an account of your life. And so he's given us this precious book to show him, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. It establishes God's standards. What does God expect? 
How does God expect me to live as a dad? As a husband, as a father, as a mom, as a son, as a daughter. What 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 are God's standards? We have it. We already know what God says. See, we have these, these apps, these map apps. They're awesome. So we've kind of gotten away from, from map maps, and now we have map apps, right? Yeah. But how many of you have ever followed your app, and it took you to the wrong place? Yeah. Yeah. Right? But usually the maps, they've been tested because it's not some bot creating it. It's a human that went out and drew this stuff out. Yeah. And it's a lot more reliable than your app. But thank God for them. But unlike your map app, God's word is reliable, it's solid, and it's unchanging. Well, the word of God's been changed. The word of God has not been changed. Our translations have changed. So get into the word. And listen, don't just know a scripture. In your light, we see light. So the word is reliable, solid, and unchanging. This is how we manage our lives, by our emotions. How do I feel about this? How does it make me feel? If it makes you feel good, if it's in your heart, just go ahead and do it. Whatever makes you happy. All this, what is it? It's an appeal to the emotions. I just, I, well, I, I had a guy one time, he was living in sin, and I corrected him. I was like, hey, listen, you need to stop doing that. He's like, I don't feel any, I don't feel any distance from God whenever I commit this sin. And my first thought is, oh my gosh. You seared the Holy Spirit in your life. Because the word, why would God contradict something he already said? That he already called sin, you're participating in it, and you say you don't experience it. I say, first of all, you don't really care what God says. All you care about is your feeling. And second of all, you've eliminated the Holy Spirit's work from your life. I don't ever want to get to that point. If I screw up, if I do something stupid, I want the first rebuke to come from the Holy Spirit. Right? And then the second one, some person coming to me that's filled with the Holy Spirit rebuking me. Right? And we love experiences. We love emotions. They're great. I think God wants you to have good emotions. I think God wants you to be healthy emotionally. I think he wants you to experience joy in his presence. I think that he wants you to have peace that passes all understanding. I I think he wants all those things for you. But experiences and, and emotions, they enhance our experience. However, we all have different experiences. So charting our journey based upon experiences is a bad idea. Your feelings is, are not a good guide for guidance. See, emotions are kind of like the seasoning of life, right? We've gotten into this thing where we're like, when you say that, it makes people feel this way. And we, we say, well, then, then that decides that what I said wasn't good. That's not necessarily the case. Jesus made a lot of people feel really bad. And not just religious people. Rem, remind you, Jesus calls Peter, the leader of the church, Satan. Whoops. I guess he doesn't fit the narrative. Listen, Jesus will rebuke harshly, but driven by love. So emotions, listen, emotions are like seasoning on your steak. Your your steak needs some seasoning, right? We bought these uh, 
really bad turkey burgers from Sprouts. We decided to go into Sprouts the other day. And, and I got good news for you. We did not leave vegans or hippies. So we're, we're still doing pretty good. But we did buy some turkey burgers. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. And uh, so I cooked those turkey burgers yesterday, and they just weren't very good. I was like, where's the flavor? Where's the spices? It was, it was, I didn't put a lot of seasoning on them. Right? So you need to, if you're going to cook a good steak or, or smoke a good brisket like I like to do, you got to season that bad boy up. But I'm telling you, the meat is not the seasoning. The seasoning is something you put on the meat. And some of you guys think that eating seasoning is going to nourish you, and it won't. You got to eat the meat. So feelings are flavorful, but not foundational. Feelings are flavorful, but not foundational. We want them. We want all the spices. We want that. It's good. God wants you to have that, but it's not foundational. So stop living from this place of feeling. We, we, God's word establishes his standards, not the way I feel about his word, not the way that his word makes me feel. A lot of times, whenever I read the word, I'm troubled because my life doesn't match it. And that's a good feeling. So we don't know what is right and wrong because of what culture says or based upon our feelings or what is politically or socially acceptable, nor the thoughts we have collected from our learned or lived experience. You don't have to be a certain gender be of a certain race, or come from a certain demographic or income level. Those things all add value and bring a level of understanding and compassion. However, they are not credentials for defining truth or morality. None of those things, it doesn't matter what side of the track she came from, no matter how poor your family, none of those things define truth. It might help you understand, but they do not define truth. They may bring a value of understanding and compassion. However, they are not the credentials for defining truth or morality. Culture is shifting and will continue to shift based upon emotions. But God's word does not shift. His word is the unchanging truth filled with moral absolutes. Moral absolutes. If it's wrong for you, it's wrong for me because it's wrong before God. And it doesn't change based upon how you feel. We know what is right. We know what is wrong because the Bible teaches us what is moral and what is immoral. His word is unchanging, filled with moral absolutes. We have a timeless standard. And here at Overflow Church, we will take our standards and our cues from the Bible, not CNN, not Fox, nobody else, not culture, not some book, not what the school program's teaching us, none of that. We take our morality from this book right here. And if we think that we've been mistaken, we will search the scriptures together. But this, it will always come down to what does the Bible say? And there's been things throughout history that people have been wrong on what the Bible has said. That's not what we're arguing. But what we did is we got back to it and said, okay, what does the Bible really say? The word doesn't change. Our understanding does. And can I tell you today that my understanding of the word of God is much different than it was 20 years ago. But the word didn't change. I did. Y'all okay? So God is the authority on morality, and he has spoken. God's the authority on morality. He has spoken. Y'all okay? 
at the end of the day, listen, this is, this is what it boils down to. I want to please God, not appease the culture. I want to please God, not appease the culture. Paul says it this way in Galatians. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. Let me remind you that culture, historically through the church, has been an enemy of the church. The church has been a friend of the culture in the sense that we love it. But today what we're finding is too much of the culture in the church and not enough church in the culture. We've got to get see What is the flag that we wave? The flag that we wave is Jesus and his word and what he says. Y'all okay? All right. The, so God, God, God defines what standards we live by, right? So number one, God's word is, establishes his standards. Number two, the word aligns our thinking. The word aligns our thinking. Romans 12, 2 don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Yes. One of the big think, cues that society uses today to say what's wrong and right, they, they say, well, that's not who I am. Did you know that the, the, me, the message of the gospel is this, be born again, not be true to yourself. You're good enough. That's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that we're sinners, that we're broken, that we need a savior. If that's not true, then why did Jesus come? Jesus came because I was broken. I was messed up and I was not right before God. That's why Jesus came. So I could be born again. So you could be born again. Transform you into a new person. Y'all okay? By changing the way you think. How do you become a new person? By changing the way you think. You will learn to know what God's will for you is. Notice he doesn't say you're just going to know. He says you're going to learn. You're going to learn how? By transforming your mind, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. His will is good, it's pleasing, and perfect. How do you know the will of God? By renewing your mind. By getting a new mind, by having uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse 27 says this is that by the washing of the word, the washing of the word is how you renew your mind. You need a brainwashing. All you Christians are brainwashing people. Yes, you're understanding our view correctly. We are being brainwashed by the scriptures. This is our authority. This is what God has said. God has spoken. My mind needs to think like his mind. And if you want to do the will of God, then you've got to have a clean mind. And, and listen, we spend, we spend hours being programmed, hours every day being programmed by media, by social media, by influencers, by all these people. And we spend very little time in the word of God. No wonder so many Christians are upside down. We don't, we, we, we talk about love. People, listen, this culture does not know what love is. Were well, you saying you Christians have a market on love? Yes, I am saying that. God is love. God demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners, broken, messed up, jacked up, being true to ourselves. Christ died. The full extent of his love. That is our gospel. That is our message. We go to the word.
Trying to be nice today. All right. The word aligns our thinking. Have you been brainwashed yet? Are you starting to think like Jesus thinks? Not just what Jesus would do, but how Jesus thought. Number three, the word reveals God's ways. I'm not being condemning, by the way. (laughs) The word reveals God's ways. The best way to know God's will, get this, is to understand his ways. So again, that Psalm 36, 9, with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. What do we see in the scriptures? We see God's ways. How many of you know you don't study a map just to know where something is? Right? But how you get there? So I don't just look at a map, oh, that's where it's at. Great. You might get an A in a class for that. But have you been there? And so the scriptures, listen, we don't, and there's a lot of people, they study the scriptures to know the scriptures. And they know a lot about God, but they don't know God. You say, well, how do you know they don't know God? By their fruit. <laughs> listen, I know some really mean-spirited people that know the scriptures, but they don't, they might know the map. They may have studied the map, but they've never been to the destination. So the best way to know God's will is to understand his ways. So we don't study the Bible to know the Bible. You study the Bible to know God. This is why we study the Bible. I want to know who God is. Give me an experience. Hmm. Then your God is your emotions. Then your God is the inner you. That's not the God I'm looking for. I'm looking for the God that can rescue me. We don't study the Bible to know the Bible. We study the Bible to know God. There's this awesome scripture, Psalm 103, verse 7. It says, he made his ways known to Moses, but his deeds to the people of Israel. So all the people knew what God did. They'd be looking at it and they go, God did that, God did that. But Moses had an inside scoop. Moses understood, he knew God's ways. Some people know the scriptures, but they don't know God's ways. Get this. That comes from firsthand experience. They saw the deeds. They stayed on the outside of the camp. Moses had an encounter. And he learned the ways of God. He knew the way God moved. So this is, whenever we come into this, just practically for you, when you come into these situations, this decision-making in your adventure, in the will of God, you say, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God's word doesn't really tell me if I'm supposed to do this or do that. It's, it's, it's not an issue of morality. It's more of an issue of just decision. What am I supposed to do? How should I handle myself? Will you understand God's ways? Well, how do you learn God's ways? By studying the word. We don't just study what the word says. We, we, we understand how God moves and how God does things. So using a map might get you to a general location. I had this, uh, my friend Ted, Ted Miller, who's not here this morning, but, but, but Ted told me, I took a trip to Branson a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, when you're going up through Arkansas, he said, go to this ice cream shop in this town. I don't even remember the name of the town. And so I plugged in my map, 
the name of the town. And I actually went out of my way to go to this town because it was, it was like a Josh trip and I could do whatever I want. And so I go to this town because there's this ice cream. He's like, oh, it's the best ice cream you've ever had. So I go and I can't find the place. And I'm like, oh man, I, I put it, plugged it into the map. It wasn't pulling up. And there was, I mean, this is like a town of like three places. In one of those towns, right? The only pl- the place where you stop to gas up and to fuel up and defuel, right? And so, so I, I go, I'm looking for the place I can't find. It. So there's another place across the street from the place that I thought was the place. And I go into the place and it's, they've got these signs, ice cream. We sell the ice cream. Like, I mean, it's like, that's, that's, if they had a shirt for that city, it would have ice cream. That's their landmark city. I use that word lightly. The little town, even use that word lightly. So I go into the place, and I'm like, hey, I hear this is the place of good ice cream, right? My friend told me about it, so I came, and they're like, they're like oh, no, that was the old place. We're the new place. We're, we're, the, we're the old place. I, I didn't even understand it. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, I was like in northern Arkansas. You guys get it, Okay. And so I ended up getting the ice cream. It was like, you know, this tall. It was amazing. It was incredible. But I, I understood. I had an understanding of the place because of what I was told, because of what the map told me. When I got there, I really didn't know where I was going until I got there and kind of started navigating around. And I started assuming, well, maybe this is the place. Maybe it's not. But I still got good ice cream. Right? And so a lot of times the scriptures, what we do is we, we understand how God moves. And so when we get to positions in our life and we don't really know what happens, we begin to see what looks like God. This looks like something God might do. So in Acts, Peter, Acts chapter 2, he's, sta- he's seeing all this stuff happening. Everybody's prophesying. The Spirit's being poured out and he goes, whoa, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, he'll pour out his spirit. This is it. And he starts preaching Joel chapter two, verse 28. Why? Because he had a grid and he had an understanding of the way that God moved. So when he is in this scenario, he recognized that God was doing it. And this is what happens when you get acquainted with the word of God. You know the general way that God moves. You know the general position. And when you get there, you can ask questions. And when you get there, you can discern. But you have tweaked your discerner because you've been in the Word of God. And you're not just going off your feelings. You're going off spiritual intuitions, which are different. You're being led by the Spirit in those moments. But it would never contradict the Word of God. The Word helps you build a framework to do that. And so after you've been in your journey a little while and after you've educated yourself in the word of God, what happens is you can get into these scenarios and you go, I'm pretty sure that's what the Lord's saying. And many times we'll go, it's kind of like when Moses was doing that or it's kind of like when that happened to Jeremiah. I think it's kind of like that. Well, you don't have those reference points if you're not in the word. So the scriptures develop a framework for understanding God's nature and hearing his voice. Sometimes you'll hear what you think is God and it's not God. Well, how do you know? Because you've learned how God speaks. Or it's been confirmed in his word already. He already spoke it. And then you're like, oh, I remember that scripture. We well, you think that you're 
memory's that great or do you think the Holy Spirit might be reminding you? So Colossians chapter three, you okay? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's a 316 verse for you. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? We talked a little bit about this last week. This is what we do. Oh, we can't know the mind of the Lord. There's people that actually think that. I'm like, well, then why do you read your Bible if you can't know the mind of the Lord? Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach them? Don't stop. But... We have understood these things for we have the mind of Christ. We know the mind of Christ. We were with him. We spent time with him. We got into his word. The word made flesh. So what happens is when he developed these patterns, developed around the word of God, they begin to produce paths in our lives. So what happens is you obey the word, you obey it now, and then as you keep obeying it, it's easier for you to obey because you've created a pathway. And it's easy for you to make decisions because you've developed a pathway. So you just keep being obedient to what the scripture says and develop these pathways in your life. Patterns produce paths. So develop biblical patterns in your life. And that, that's going to help you fulfill the will of God. Number four, the word builds our faith. We know that faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? That, that, that's the foundation of our faith. It's where, where faith is initiated. But it's also nurtured. Our trust is nurtured. Our faith is nurtured in the word of God. We know that we live by faith and not by sight. You could even say we live by faith, not by feelings. We live by faith, not by circumstances. We live by faith, not by my employer. We live by faith, not by the government. We live by faith. So what am I doing to nurture my faith? I'm building my life on the word of God. I want to have faith in God's word. I want to have faith in what God says. So what do we do? I'm going to give you two things and we'll be done. Number one is feast on the word. Feast on it. Listen, if you went a day without eating food, maybe you might call that fasting. Right? But eventually, you're going to need some nourishment. Are you feasting on the Word of God? We always say it. Get into the Word till the Word gets into you. Right? Get into the Word until the Word gets into you. How I many you know you are what you eat? Listen, if, you're, if all you're ever doing is filling your mind with woke media, that's what's going to come out of you. You are what you eat. I'm not saying you should never pay attention to that stuff. But that should not be your primary life source. None of it. None, this is your primary. None, none of the media. None of the left. None of the right. None of that. This is your primary media, not some news program guy. Well, I watch that every hour. Ben Shapiro. Every, listen, he is not my source. I don't care who your guy is. None of them are my guy. My guy is God. God's my guy. He's, he's the one I get my values from. Stop it. You are what you eat. So you wonder why you're frustrated all the time? I, listen, there's some of these guys that I listen to, and they're just, all they do is rant. And so I, when I would listen to them so much, what ends up happening is I'm in a bad mood all the time. 
I'm like, oh, because when I listen to their program, I'm like, president this, and I'm like, I'm mad too. Why? Because you are what you eat. By the way, don't make, don't make fun of your president who fell on his bicycle. You honor that man because the Bible tells you to do that. I don't care what Fox News told you to do. Man, I'm just going there today. Listen, we need to, be, we need to represent Jesus well. Come on. You be nice. Be winsome. <laughs> don't be annoying. You are what you eat. Man, we just went there. All right. Eating the scroll. So there's this, this passage in Ezekiel chapter 3 where God comes to the prophet and he says, listen, I have this word. I want you to eat it. And he gives him a scroll, like a, like a paper scroll, and he says, eat it. And then we see this again in Revelation chapter 10, verse 9. It says, eat the scroll. And he said, when I, when I tasted it, it was sweet, but when I got to my belly, it was bitter. What, what happens when you eat the word? Well, Jeremiah, so Jeremiah, the word of the Lord, if, I'm just going to summarize it. Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord comes to Jeremiah, and he says, Jeremiah, he's like, I have a word for my people, and, he, and he's like, and you're going to bring it. And he's like, no, Lord. He's like, I'm just a child. Please, please, please find someone else. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I, I, I got the word. You're going to speak the word. He's like, I, I'm, I don't know how to speak. And the Lord reached out his hand, and he touched his mouth. And he says, now I've put my words, eat the word, in your mouth. And so Jeremiah, we, we know Jeremiah is a weeping prophet. He goes and he makes all these decisions. And then he says this in, in chapter five. He says, I will make my word in you like a fire. Like you're going to get fired up about what I said. He's like, I, I don't even want your words. And then it says this in chapter 16, as you go through the course of his life, he says, I ate the words and they were his joy and his heart's delight. So Jeremiah was like, I don't even want to eat it. And now he's like, I'm enjoying the word of the Lord. And then they lock him up in bonds and he's, they're like, they're persecuting him. And he's like, Lord, I tried to keep my mouth shut in Jeremiah 20. He said, but I couldn't. Your word in me was like a fire. I couldn't be quiet. Why? Because way back in chapter one, he ate the word. He ate the word. Listen, we might not always love the word, but eat it. It's sweet. It may feel bitter or sour in your stomach because whenever you eat the word, you go, oh, it doesn't sit well with me, but I know I need to conform to it. I know I am what I eat and I want to, I want to bring life. And if I want to bring life, then I need to eat the words of life. I need to feast on that. And so we, we meditate on the word. We get in the word. Listen, we have a, if you're like, I don't know what to read. Where do I even start? Go pick you up a Movement 21 manual in the lobby. We have one of those. If you don't, if you don't want to spend $5 on it, we'll give you one. Just get started in the Bible. Start reading in the Bible. Start in John and just go through your New Testament. Or read John like 30 times in a row. That'd be awesome. Just read it. Open up your Bible app and follow a, a Bible plan. Get into the word until the word gets into you. And the, the, the second is this, and we're closing with this point, is practice the word. Don't just know the map. Follow the map. And go to the destination. 
no God. No God. I, I was reading James chapter one. And I, and I found this in the, the Passion Translation. I love the way it's written. He says, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. In other words, don't just know what the map says, follow the map. For, the, for if you don't respond to it, that's the essence of self-deception. In other words, don't deceive yourself. Do what the word says. That's what it says in the NIV. Do you want to be enlightened with truth? Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth? of God's will, do what the word says. So always let his word become like poetry. Listen to this, so beautifully translated. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life, by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you will become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, the word, are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Why? Because they got this word, they got into it, and then they followed it. They followed the map and they got to where they were supposed to be, their divine origin. Oh, 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 oh.